Welcome to the podcast of Local Community Church. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to find out more, head to our website at localcommunity.church. So if you're with us for the first time or just kind of connecting, we are... Every year we work through an an annual series that we feel the Lord leads us in. And this year we're actually working through the Old Testament classics. So we've been working through creation and Abraham, Moses, and I think Kylie did Gideon uh, last time. And we're up to the story of Ruth. Now, to preach out of Ruth, you've kind of got to get the whole story. um, But there's four chapters and too long to read. So I'm going to try and give you a summary to either let you know the story if you've not heard it or to remind you of it if you've um, not read it for a little while. There's three main characters in the uh, book of Ruth. We've got Naomi, who is the mother. We've got Ruth, who is her daughter-in-law, and Boaz, who's a relative of Naomi, who um, we hear about a little bit later on. So Naomi uh, and her husband are living in Bethlehem in Israel, and times have got uh, tough. They've been tough right through that whole book of Judges. We only touched on Gideon out of Judges, I think, but that whole uh, era was, was really tough for the people and particularly because there was a lot of famine in the land. And so Naomi and her husband have left Bethlehem to go in search of food. And where they end up is a place called Moab. Now, Moab's really interesting. Just a little side note. Moab is actually like these ancient, this ancient enemy of Israel, but the Moabites. But Moab was actually the last place the Israelites were before they crossed into the Promised Land. So Moab is actually where Moses died. And I think it's really interesting, not that we're going to unpack this today, but the Israelites, like this story, is about them going back to where they came from to try and find something. Um, And so they've gone back to that place. And so Naomi and her husband have had two sons, and those two sons then marry local women, um, two Moabite women. And what happens is the father dies, and then the sons die. And so now Naomi and her two daughters-in-law are left in this land of, of Moab. And Naomi decides, well, there's no, there's no point in me staying here. I'm going to go back home to Bethlehem. And she says to her two daughters, one called Orpah, the other one called Ruth, look, there's no point you coming back. You know, I'm going back to nothing. We've got no relatives. We're going to be poor. Um, you need to stay here with your, your people. And Orpah says, yeah, that's the right idea. I'm going to stay here. But Ruth says, no, no, I'm going to come with you, Naomi. She's got this loyalty to her uh, mother-in-law to uh, want to stay with her. And the one scripture I will read out of Ruth, you can just listen, um, you don't need to turn there, but this is Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, and, and this is Ruth in her incredible loyalty to Naomi. She says, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. So they go back to Bethlehem, and they need to find food. And so uh, it turns out it's barley season, and so Ruth starts working a little bit in the field. There's a concept called gleaning, where the poor people can collect grain at the side of the farms, which we won't talk about today, but that's a really cool story to um, have a look at if you're not familiar with the concept of gleaning. And she's picking grain in a field by a man called Boaz. Now, Boaz happens to be a relative of Naomi. And he starts showing incredible generosity to Ruth as he gets to know her. Um, And keep in mind, now, Ruth is a foreigner in the land working as a poor person trying to gather grain that's left over that she can go and sell. And she comes across Boaz, who 
starts really looking after her. Now, one of the ancient or one of the laws within Israel is that um, this concept of gleaning is to look after the poor people and look after the immigrants. Uh, but that also extends to a concept which they call goel, which is a word for the kinsman redeemer. I'm not sure if you've heard this concept before, but basically um, one of the laws said that if a family member of yours became a widow, then as the kinsman redeemer uh, and, and culturally, you would actually marry the widow so you could protect the family. And so when Naomi finds out that she's got this relative called Boaz, they're suddenly like, well, maybe he could play this role of kinsman redeemer. Now, there's a whole stack of other stuff that has to go on for that to actually happen because there's another family member and we won't, we won't go through that. But ultimately, where the story ends is uh, that Boaz fills the role of kinsman redeemer for Naomi and Ruth. So what happens is you've got this tragedy at the start of Ruth with the famine and the husband and the sons dying and having to come back. And when we get to the end, there's this joy where Ruth, who is actually a foreign person, like she's a Moabite, remember, born in the land of Moab, she's married to Boaz, the Redeemer. Now, it's a random story because not anywhere throughout the whole book of Ruth is God talked about. Like the word God is not talked about, but the principle of God and people who, who live a life of God, like their actions are all about God. And I think this is really interesting because Ruth, who was a foreign person to the nation of Israel, the people of God, her and Boaz had a son. His son was named Obed. He had a son. His name was Jesse. And he had a son. And his name was David. Yeah. So Ruth is the great-grandmother of David, whose line led to Jesus. Isn't it cool that someone who actually wasn't part of the Israelite group of people, a foreigner, an immigrant, became a critical part, accepted into the Israelite people and became a critical part in the line towards Jesus. That is just this incredible story. And so uh, I want to pull two themes from this story of Ruth that uh, I think we can learn from and just what I felt the Lord speaking to me today in terms of, it's actually only one page of my notes I forgot, so I can't see it, but anyway, I'll get the idea. Here we go. Work fine. Okay. Um, so yeah, so two, 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 two key themes. And the first is our adoption into the kingdom, into the family of God. Like just like we saw Ruth. She was an outsider. Effectively, she's adopted into this Israelite family, the people of God, and plays this critical part. Now, families are often a messy thing to talk about. And, um, you know, I don't know everyone's background with your family, but what I know is often we start talking about parents and families, there's just stuff that gets raised, and um, it could be absent parents, it could be divorces, it could be generational issues, there's all sorts of stuff that we kind of live with in this yucky, messy kind of world, and the thing I want to say, like at the outset, is that if you've experienced that, if your childhood was not great, I, I can't do any more than say I'm sorry for that like I know that is not God's heart and I know that's not God's intention um, and I know that maybe the conversation today raises those things again that you are trying and have tried for many years to overcome and and I think it's the story of Ruth that uh, is one of the most amazing stories to help us figure this out because we see the outsider adopted into the kingdom of God and that that kingdom that place that father is the way things were intended and 
Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that out of this story that we talk of, of adoption into the kingdom of God, that maybe if you're in that spot, there's a breakthrough for you today or something that else you can connect to and think about and just uh, dwell on and reflect on. I was, um, I was blessed with a, um, with a good family upbringing. We, we got on. My parents are in church, although they're not here as often as I'd like them to be now. They've moved away and trying to retire. Um, I married into a family that was similar. My mother-in-law is here most of the time, which is good. <laughs> She's in kids' church serving. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have our challenges, right? Like, I'm from a good family, and there's still the family challenges that happen. Um, I was thinking through some of the challenges of my growing up, and um, a bit of a funny story. Um, I got to the age of about 16, and, you know, as a teenager, as a male, the eldest teenager, or the eldest boy, eldest in the house, you get to that moment as a son where without realising you start challenging the alpha role of the house. Um, and I'm quite a volatile person. I know I don't come across like that at all, right? But anyway, um, <laughs> and um, this is how one of the challenges went down. I, at 16, had uh, long hair that I thought looked really good. And part of the way I made it look good was to never wash my hair. And it has that like, long, straggly kind of look. Um, and that was the 90s, so you also had the undercut to go with that as well, if anyone remembers that kind of look. And um, anyway, um, I thought it looked really good. I see teenagers these days with a similar look, and I'm like, that's disgusting. Like, you need to wash your hair, you need to cut your hair, you need to sort yourself out. Anyway, this was like one of the moments my dad and I went at it, because um, he'd been asking me for ages to... Uh, um, wash my hair, but the, mo the moment, I'm sorry to put this picture in your head, by the way, but the moment this actual kind of clash happened was me in the shower, so yes, I was naked in the shower, and my dad comes in, and he's like, you're going to wash your hair, and he gets my hand, and he gets the shampoo in it, and I'm like, no, I'm not, <laughs> and then it's on, so we're brawling, me naked in the shower, my dad <laughs> teaching me a lesson, which is basically, you are not the alpha male of this house, and you will do what you're told. <laughs> Uh, I laugh at it now, but it was intense. Like, it was really intense. <laughs> uh, I didn't... Oh, yeah, I did wash my hair. He won, yeah. I'm pretty sure I washed my hair. Uh, but what I'm saying is, like, there's just, there's just stuff, right? Our, our families have stuff. We all have our stuff. And even in my kind of pretty good upbringing, there's just stuff. And this is why the adoption into the family of God is so important in our Christian journey. Like, it's so important. Ruth, who was this foreigner, an immigrant in the land, and married into the Israelite family is just such an important um, concept for us to actually understand. See, even now, even now, if you've been a Christian for many, many years, you might feel a little bit on the outside of the family of God. Maybe there's times where you actually don't feel like you belong. You feel a bit left out. We can look at the... Um, stars of the biblical stories that we've been reading. Like, look at a Moses or an Abraham or a, a Gideon, all these people, and sometimes we look at their life and where it ended up and compare it to our ordinary life and go, well, have I, have I got a part to play? Like, am I, have I got a part in this big story? I think sometimes uh, maybe guilt creeps in and we're like, I just can't live to the life the life that I'm meant to live and, you know, I'm, am I really part of that family? Like, am I fully part of the kingdom of God? You know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting in because there's just some loophole hole that I squeeze through or, you know, God's just like, so, 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 so gracious, I just make it. But there's this sense of I'm just not there. I don't know if anyone feels like that, but I can tell you even as a pastor sometimes, I'm like, oh, like, am I, am I there? Am I part of, part of this family? Am I really adopted into a new family, into the kingdom of God? And the story of Ruth helps us with this so much because she 
also was an outsider. She was not born into the faith. So she was no natural part of the Israelite family. No natural part originally of the kingdom of God, and yet she was gathered into the story to the point that she became critical to the way everything turned out. We've all started as outsiders and outsiders and irrespective of our family context. We've been adopted into the family of God. We belong. You are accepted and you are a critical part of the story. Just like Ruth. Recently I was chatting to um, James and Stacy, who are here today, which is also cool, with Gnor, and um, I'm not sure if you know these guys, and I have asked permission if I can share this story. Um, they've felt called by God to foster, which which absolutely love, and um, we've got a few families in our church that, that do that, and Bible calls us to look after the widows and orphans, and I'm not sure if you're aware of the structure of that in WA, it's actually very hard to adopt children, right? Only a couple of children get adopted each year. And so I think the one of the best ways and only ways we can do that is through fostering. And, um, you know, we're all called to different things. But I think when a family does that and invites someone into their home um, that is fully living out the gospel message, the life of a follower of Jesus to the almost greatest extent that we can, and if you um, feel like that's something you could do in your family, then, um, you know, obviously have a chat to these guys about their journey. Um, Franca with uh, uh, Ben is a similar story. Um, Joe's done some fostering. There may be others as well. But, um, you know, maybe this is a way that we fulfill part of what the Bible calls us to do. But we were um, chatting recently and caught up with these guys. And James was telling me this story. And he's like, um, we were talking to the foster caseworker, is that what you call him, yep, and um, Gnor, who's this um, incredible uh, little boy that they've got in their family, and he was asking them, because he's young and they don't know how long they'll have him for, um, what, what do we get him to call us once he gets to an age of talking, because we're going to probably start teaching him to speak, and the caseworkers, well, he, he calls you dad, and James was talking to me a little bit about the journey he went through because at first that's like a little bit confronting. It's like, well, hang on, I've got two natural daughters and I'm their dad. Um, I'm helping with Gnor, but am I his dad? And what does that actually look like? And this is my poetic, just like licensed version of the story. I should have got James to come and share it probably. Um, you know, that, that's kind of quite confronting. But then realising that that's exactly what the role for James and Stacey is it's like we we are mum and dad and we can't fake it and we can't pretend it it's like this is an all-in this is full acceptance full acceptance you fully belong to our family like um james got a better way of saying this but it's like when we sit at the dining table we're all sitting together with the same level we're all sitting around the same table together with family when we have our family photos we're all in the family photos for Gnor to be fully accepted and feel part of that family and to actually help him probably overcome some of the things that have happened in the separation of his life the only way it happens is if he gets to call James and Stacey mum and dad like he is all in all part of the family and whilst that's fostering and not adoption to me that is like the most real relevant today version of the story of what we see in Ruth but what that same feeling is for us, 
Like if we feel outside and we feel separated and disconnected from the family of God, just listen to that story of, of James and Stacy. of, no, this is full acceptance. You belong. It doesn't matter. It's, it's all in. And, and, he's, and they've offered, like, if you want to talk about that, um, um, to do that with them. And I just want to honor you guys. So if we talk about the concept of redemption, sorry, adoption, then that leads to the next part of the story of Ruth and this second theme, which is the concept of redemption. The entire biblical narrative is literally about the story of redemption. Like, and what I mean by that is that right from the beginning, we were separated from God, and to take care of that separation... He had to come as our Redeemer. Now, we read in the story of Ruth a cultural concept of Redeemer where Boaz effectively foreshadows Jesus as our Redeemer. He shows us what that looks like, to stand in the place of the separation, to bridge that gap, to bring restoration of relationship. I think it's interesting that Ruth actually positioned herself for redemption Like, if you think about it, she was in her homeland of Moab and she was made the offer of staying there. But what she'd seen in Naomi, something had taken place there where she said, you know, I know I'm going back to live as a widow, to be the daughter-in-law of a widow, to be a foreigner in the land, to be an immigrant, to be poor, and yet I'm going to position myself there. And in doing so, Boaz, her redeemer, stepped in to make things right. And that redemption is actually what then became the bridge to the continuation of a story that went from Abraham to David and David to Jesus. Without redemption at that point, who knows what would have happened, right? That was all part of God's plan, the redemption plan. And the thing is, we get adopted into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, a new father, a new inheritance because of redemption because of what Jesus did, Jesus, our Redeemer, and we all need redeeming. Sometimes we've got to come back to that place of realisation. Sometimes that story of redemption is the reminder of the place where God has taken, from, taken us from and where he's taken us to. And those two concepts of adoption and redemption are critical to the story of Ruth. Now, There's so many things we could talk about when it comes to redemption, but what I actually wanted to do is read two scriptures. Uh, But I kind of want to read these over you. It's like your uh, redemption story. And for me, this is like leading into um, whatever God wants to do with us today, that reminder of your adoption and that reminder of your redemption. So I'm just going to ask Aldis to come and um, play for a bit. Um, and I just want to encourage you to get into a, whatever it looks like, I only use the word posture, but they might be closing your eyes, they might be looking at the ceiling, whatever that is for you, but into that place where you can allow God to speak to you, because I think there's people here this morning that need to hear both the story of adoption and the story of redemption, and for many of us, we've been in a church or in the Christian journey for years, and um, we can forget this, right? 
These are the, the foundations, the basics of our faith in many ways. Uh, and yet you can show up, you can be a part of community and yet not feel part of community. And, you know, we're, we're humanity, so we're not always going to get it right, but we are all chasing after the same thing of being a follower of Jesus and we all ultimately are part of his kingdom. And so maybe today, for some people, there's that sense of, I need to remember my adoption. I'm being held back by my representation of family because of my family on earth and not realising that I am part of the family of God in that I have a new identity, have a new family line, I have a new inheritance. And for others, maybe it's just that reminder of our Redeemer. Jesus stood in the place for your redemption to stop the separation, to stop the sin taking hold of you and leading to a pathway of death, but a pathway of life. So let me read these scriptures over you. Um, Let's just see where the Lord wants to take us. Paul writes to the Colossians. So this first scripture is out of Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, if you want to look up later. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Four, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Let me say that again. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You have been rescued. You're part of his family. You have redemption, the forgiveness of your sins. David put it this way. He said, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can I compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare, because he has lifted you out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and set your feet on a rock. He's given you a firm place to stand. That is our Father. That is our Redeemer. Your adoption, my adoption into the kingdom of God gives us a new identity, a new family line, and a new inheritance, and it's all enabled by Jesus, our Redeemer. And so God, I just ask right now, you would come and have your way with us in this place.
God, for each person here, you know our earthly experience of family. And sometimes it's hard to portray what it really means to have you as our Father when that's the lens that we look through. But this morning, God, I just pray you give us a picture of that, a sense of that, a feeling of that, God. That we are yours, your kingdom, sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Give us each a picture, God, of how you see us, that identity. Give us a picture, Lord, of our future, our inheritance. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has encouraged and inspired you in your faith journey. If you'd like to find out more, head to our website at localcommunity.church.